saw the sun shine so bright, never saw things go so right. Notice in today's hurry and by when you're in love, my, my heart ain't fly. Oh, Lord, help the mister who comes between me and my sister. And Lord, help the sister who comes between me and my man. The two greatest figures in show business, Bing and Danny, as two ex-GIs who form the perfect partnership. Rosemary and Vera Ellen as the sisters who have them in a spin. With Dean Jagger as the unemployed general they take under their wing. Apparently there's still quite a bit about show business I don't understand. Oh, it'll come to you, sir. Just takes time. We wouldn't be any good as generals. You weren't any good as privates. A wonderful story that will warm your hearts just as the breathtaking scope of a new screen wonder will widen your eyes. White Christmas in Vista Vision. And you'll fall asleep Counting your blessings Oh, Happen while you're dancing Things that you would not do at home Come naturally on the floor the minister handy, and the show would be dandy, if we let him make a feast. So don't you linger, may your days be merry and bright, and may all your Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest films ever made or the essential films. Uh, I'm Adolfo Acosta, and I am joined, as always, by a man who I need to find a wife for so that I can get 45 minutes all to myself. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Mark Espinosa. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Uh, perfect, perfect little intro there. Perfect line for that. So how, you, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your holidays been treating you? Uh, exhausting. I, I gotta say, um, I'm kind of want this now to be over with. I've been kind of spending the last couple of weeks shopping for everybody right now. I actually just finished my last item. Uh, this today's Thursday before Christmas that we're recording. I finished it on Monday. Like on Monday, I legit said to myself, "Okay, Christmas is closed. They're not getting a dime, another dime out of me now. <laughs> so let's just let's just get this over with. We are about what five days away from." Christmas uh, is that time of the year. Uh, I mean, in, in the end, I do enjoy Christmas. I do enjoy the time off at work. I do enjoy the time with family. So it's not all bad. Um, it's just, you know, kind of the running around the malls. People get kind of crazy this time of year when it comes to the shopping and the deals. So kind of try to stay away from all of that. So thank, in that respect, thank goodness for places like Amazon. Yeah, I, I did um almost – not like 100% of my shopping at Amazon. The only other place I bought something was off of uh, Snapfish, which is also an online store. So I don't think I walked into a brick-and-mortar store to buy any Christmas presents this year. 
Nice. Well, lucky you, because I had to <laughs> I had to brave those. Well, when I went, the crowd wasn't too bad. But then there was another day that I went a couple weeks ago where it was like right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that. No, no, no. Thank you. Actually, I, never, I, I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. I actually, I do. I do have to correct myself. I did buy one thing in a store and it was probably like the worst thing to, to do. Uh, it was uh, I bought my my wife an iPhone. Um, because she, nice. I was going to get her one anyway, but, uh, like her phone like died on her and she couldn't like, she couldn't use a phone. She didn't have a phone. So I was like, well, I guess she's getting her present early. So I went over to the mall on a Saturday in the middle Ooh. of Christmas season, uh, one of the biggest malls in America and went to the Apple store. And that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> How I mean, long did those geniuses have you waiting? Oh, it took me a while, man. It took me a while to fight through everything. I, I got it. Everything was fine. But it took, like, that chore itself. Just going to one store. And the mall is 10 minutes from my house. Uh, just going to one store and buying one thing took two hours. Bro. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, is, that's uh, about right. Christmas is a bit of a... It's a bit of a chore sometimes. I mean, but I do love Christmas. I do love Christmas movies. Uh, uh, and we're going to get to one classic one in a, in a second here. But uh, I do like the holidays in general. Do you have any favorite Christmas movies you like to watch around this time of year? Oh, tons, my friend. Uh, I think we even uh, – we might have talked about this too last year. But I love, I love, I love – first two Home Alones are a must. I love I love the Muppet Christmas Carol, although the VHS version now, which retains when love is gone. I think we had that debate last year about Absolutely. that song being taken out. Like that's BS. Uh, they need to put that back. Uh, Scrooge is another classic that I always watch. Funny, I watched both Scrooge and Home Alone today. Nice. <laughs> uh, and our boys over at uh, at Funko did a new uh, Home Alone pop this year. They uh, it was a Target exclusive, and they included a replica of Kevin's. Uh, winter cap from the movie that oh. has like the little reindeer on it um so i got a replica of that to put on my uh my movie prop shelf and then i got the new uh kevin funko pop that has him wearing his scarf and his hat so you know i did see that kevin funko pop last time i was at target and i didn't get it and i thought i, I was like i yeah. really debated it i ended up not doing it um <laughs> the speaking of kevin and home alone did you see that hey google ad with macaulay culkin I will see you that because I did watch it, and I will raise you. Did you watch Angry Video Game Nerd with Macaulay Culkin? No, I did not. Yes. that It's about 20 minutes long, and it's Macaulay Culkin with the Angry Video Game Nerd reviewing the Home Alone games. And it's so funny. <laughs> you have to watch that. <laughs> I, I never played thumbnail. any of the Home Alone games. I'm sure they were terrible. Well, the one I had – okay, so I had two. I had the Tire Electronics Home Alone 2 game. Which, I mean, I think I have it still here somewhere. Maybe it's in the attic now. I don't know. One, maybe one of those old boxes that I still have around. Maybe I have it. But that was like, like the simplest. It might as well have been a Game, game Boy game of Home Alone 2. That's how simple it is. But my uncle had Home Alone 2 for the Super Nintendo. And damn, do I have fond memories of that one. Yeah, the game is kind of terrible. But when you're a kid, you don't care. Like, when you're a kid, you don't wonder why you're facing a, you know, Plaza Hotel chef that you have to strip him down to his underwear for no reason. You don't understand why there's bats and rats in Central Park when Kevin didn't encounter that in the movie. You don't question that stuff. You know, you don't know why you have to slide the rats in order to kill the rats. Like, that makes no sense. 
Um, and you don't know why you have to climb the freaking haunted Rockefeller Center tree to get, you know, Harry and Marv to jail. That makes no sense either. But when you're a kid, it's all, oh, it's a video game. It's fun. It's kooky. It's wacky. So um, when they reviewed it on, on that episode, it finally hit me like, yeah, that game's pretty terrible, actually. But um, I will say nothing but good things about that Home Alone 2 game because I grew up on that game and it's freaking awesome. I don't care what anybody says. All right. Fair enough. Um but, uh, but, you know, I, I, I like all those movies you mentioned. Not Home Alone 2 so much. Uh, I, I think we when we reviewed it on Force Perspective, when we did the commentary track for that, you know, oh, yeah. many, many moons ago, um, yeah. I, I just was in awe of how how violent Home Alone 2 is. Home Alone 1 is a little violent. It's kind of like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But Home Alone 2, it's like, holy crap, Kevin McAllister is a sinister little guy. I'm just saying. Uh but uh, yeah, it, it I, you know I, I like most of the, most of the Christmas movies, most classic ones anyway. So uh, and we got a got a big one to talk about this week. Um, you know the last couple Christmas episodes we did, the first one obviously was It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, last year we did um, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and this year uh, we're going to be ringing in uh, Christmas with uh, White Christmas from nineteen fifty four. So uh, what is your history with this film? Okay, so this is where um, it's going to get a little, I guess, interesting because I had no history with this movie until I bought the Blu-ray about a month ago for Black Friday and I sat down and watched it. This was my very first viewing of really? this movie. Really? Yes. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to be interested to, t- to hear your take on, on it as we go along here. Um, I, I have watched the film about... I don't know, 10 years ago for the first time. I remember um, just kind of wanting to, like, fill in all my gaps in, in different Christmas movies I'd never seen. Like, I'd wanted to, I, I watched The Bishop's Wife and Holiday Inn and, and all these other films. And I, and I remember just crossing off White Christmas off my list um, and being really kind of taken with it. So, so on a first-time viewing, uh, how, what is your initial impression of the film? Well, um, to me, upon first viewing, it was a very like I don't want to say like all these things about it like you know um obviously it's a product of its time obviously it's it's a musical obviously you have people like Bing Crosby Rosemary Clooney like legends in the biz you know um Danny Kaye is a legend in his own right as well um I know I think very shortly after this Vera Vera Ellen I think retired from 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 the business after after this movie but um I know but but those first three like are pretty much legends in the biz and so the fact that I really didn't – I don't want to say I didn't know about this movie because I've heard of White Christmas. I know the song. I've heard of the movie in passing. Like I've seen it like mentioned on TCM and all that other stuff. But I never really like considered it a classic. Like, oh, I have to watch this, which is why it took me freaking 31 years to actually sit down and watch this movie. Um, and it was fun. Like it was, it's a fun little movie. You know, Bing Crosby's all. Awesome. We're gonna get into all this later on as we go to the movie. But Bing Crosby's awesome. Uh, Danny Kaye, I didn't know how wacky that guy is, you know, but he, he's uh he's pretty much steals the show here to be like with his little uh his little dances and he, he has that he has some pipes on him, man. I didn't I didn't know that about Danny Kaye. Um, Rosemary Clooney's great here. Vera Ellen is great. Um, the guy that she, I forgot what the guy's name. I, I I have it here somewhere, but the guy there's a scene. Or like they're practicing, you know, one of the one of the um the segments for like the show, and like she's dancing with this guy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great sequence. I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, I'm watching this with my mother, right? Because she loves these old movies. So I was like, you know what? Let's watch this together. And 
we're watching this and it's like, holy crap, these guys can dance. This is uh, pretty like pretty awesome. Uh, his name is um, John Bra- Bracia. Bra- Brascia, Bracia. I'm not sure how to say it. Yes. Yeah. He he appears uh, opposite Vera Lynn in like one or two dances, I think. Yes. Um, but that the the one specifically I'm talking about, you know, the one I'm referring to, like where they're just, just kind of like it seems like they're just kind of spinning around and moving their arms everywhere. But it's so in sync and it's so like choreographed and perfect. It's like, holy crap. Like, you know, you, you like it, it was something that um it just I guess caught me by surprise in a way, because, you know, everything just before just seemed kind of so fluid and so just kind of pristine. Well, this is just kind of like almost all over the place, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just like it, it was it was impressive to watch. Um, the music here is absolutely great. I, I love the songs here. Um, obviously, you know, I think the song White Christmas came out first before this. Correct. Movie, We're going to get to that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, you know, but, you know, this movie has, you know, some great songs in there. Like the, the, the two um, the uh, sisters is a great song. Um, you have the uh, snow, which I, I did a little research on that song, and I mean, it was meant for another movie, which I'm sure we'll get to. I'm sure you have that as part of your trivia, but that Snow song was actually meant for another movie. They just changed the lyrics around, but we'll get to that later. Um, but that, that's a good song, though. Um, and then uh, the uh, Rosemary Clooney solo, Love You Didn't Do Right By Me, amazing. Uh, this is That's probably my favorite segment of the movie, just because of how great Rosemary Clooney is in that, because... Like she just knows her character and she just knows like the character state of mind at that point. And it comes out through the song and through her body language. And it's just so great. It's just that's a professional at work right there. So I was very, very impressed with that. So that's probably my favorite. Like, you know, I mean, probably my favorite song is the White Christmas song, obviously. But my favorite segment of the musical segment of the film was probably that one, just because of how great. Rosemary Clooney is in that and just how much she just nailed the character at that state of the story, you know, um, in that in that song. Um, But overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to make sure I include this now in my regular Christmas rotation from now on, because this is kind of like a hidden gem for me. Like I never like I told you before, I didn't really realize this was a must see for me. And then I really got a kick out of this movie. So I'm going to try to make it a tradition for me from now on. Yeah, it is. It's kind of when you when you don't know about it, it kind of sneaks up on sneaks up on you because like it, you start off with like you're at, you're in a war, and then it goes into like a Broadway thing, and then they're in a you know hotel, kind of like Holiday Inn, and it's this whole thing. It kind of goes all over the place, but it it really really works. Um, and it, it is it has been in regular rotation in my Christmas viewing every year since I watched it. Um, so let's get into some of the stats real quick. Uh, it was directed by Michael Curtiz uh, of Casablanca. Your fame. boy, yeah. Boy say, and, he, and and the, the <laughs> year after, he directed another Christmas movie called We're No Angels with Humphrey Bogart, which is a really funny movie that you sh- that everyone should check out. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, but uh, it's also written by Norman Krasna, Norman Panama, and Melvin Frank, starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and Dean Jagger, with music by, of course, Irving Berlin, distributed by Paramount, and it was released on October 14th, 1954. Um, so the whole movie, as you, you alluded to this earlier, is based on the White Christmas song, uh, which originally was written and uh, released in 1942 uh, for the movie Holiday Inn, Holiday Inn. Yep. Um, and which wanted an Oscar uh, for Best Song back then. And, of course, we all know that White Christmas, the song, is... 
not even perhaps, it is the biggest Christmas song of all time. Not only by sung by Bing Crosby, but also it's been covered by countless people. Uh, so, I mean, it, it is, you do not get through Christmas without hearing that song at least 10 times. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, we have um, we have the Christmas radio stations on all the time now at the house, and I put it on every other day at work. I've been putting on Sirius XM's Holly radio station, which has all the Christmas songs. Uh, Bing's version does show up more often than others. Because, I mean, that, to me, that's the, that's the version. That's I mean, the, the version the, of White it's Christmas. The only, it's the original version, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, everything else is just a cheap imitation. But, um, but yeah, um, that song, you know, just amazing. And the way, and it, it's funny because. Not to get ahead of, of ourselves, you know, in the beginning of the film when he when he first sings it, you know, that kind of caught me a little bit off guard as well because, you know, you ha- it's it's a war. You know, they're in the middle you know, of, of essentially a battlefield and, you know, they're trying to put on this Christmas show and they just have him just kind of sing that very somber like White Christmas in, the, in that tone and to see the general kind of just, you know, kind of choke up a little bit. That, that, that kind of hitting me a little bit, dude. That was that was a great sequence. Yeah, uh, and it just kind of caught me off guard a little bit. It's like, oh wow, like this is, this is not your typical Christmas movie. <laughs> it, it is interesting how they just they start they bookend the movie. They start and end with the song, and yeah. and the first the first time you hear it, like you said, is very low key kind of performance. And then of course at the very end, you get a a huge performance of it. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, and, but when you think about it. Well, of course you can't start the movie with any other song because that's what the yeah. movie's called, right? So you have to start right. it with that. Um, so the uh, what's interesting about this film um, is that the when they decided to do it, it was a uh, a co-production, uh, a partnership between um, Bing Crosby and Irving Berlin, and they shared half the profits with Paramount, which as we'll get to later was a significant profit. Um, so they, so it was kind of their baby to, to create. Um, the original choice was Fred Astaire to play the Danny Kaye part, but Fred Astaire um, event, you know, cause they, they had history with Hall in holiday Inn and in another film, uh, an Irving Berlin musical called blue skies. Um, but Fred Astaire apparently didn't like the script or he, he opted out of it. And then they chose Donald Connor from singing in the rain um, but O'Connor had to drop out because he was sick, uh, and then he, they were finally replaced by Danny Kaye. So Danny Kaye was the third choice, um, but he he asked for a $200,000 salary, and he got 10% of the gross. So smart guy, Danny Kaye. Yeah. Yeah, very business savvy there. Um, some other kind of little trivia here that, that I want to get into as the film was shot – in uh, Paramount's uh, VistaVision, which is basically their new widescreen process. Yeah. Um, and you can tell, especially on Blu-ray, um, it, it's a really gorgeous transfer because the, uh, the VistaVision was supposed to like kind of have, you know, was supposed to be a better color process. And you can tell in this, and they really took advantage of it in this film because the, the reds are really red in this movie. The greens are really green in this movie. They, it really pops. Yes, it does. And that's one of the things that also I, I noticed throughout the film. Like, yeah, it's in color, but like, it was it's 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 weird to say because yeah the movie's in color but to me like it was so colorful like I I don't know any other word to describe it like like you said the colors just pop out of the screen and that's because of the new VistaVision process they use it just kind of emphasizes the colors a lot more you it just it's just brighter and just more I guess elegant looking in a way and like I just noticed that you know the this, the colors especially the reds like you said just seem to pop out of the screen it's just it, it's really amazing looking. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful film to watch, especially on uh, on Blu-ray. I, I've watched it twice this season. The first time was uh, I, I went to the TCM screening, uh, the the big screen classics uh, on by put on by Fathom Events uh, earlier this month. I saw it on the big screen, which is nice. Uh, and then I saw it recently in prepare, preparation for the show on Blu-ray, and it's just it's such a beautiful looking movie. Um, uh, other kind of little trivia about the film that I kind of wanted to get to before we get into the plot is um, the. Vera Ellen did not sing any of her songs. Uh, right. She was voiced over by Trudy Stevens, uh, except in the song Sisters, where apparently Rosemary Clooney sang both parts. <laughs> I did read a, a little bit about that. They, that was that was that's wacky. You Rosemary, know, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's just something that you know I, I never would have guessed just watching it. You know that first time, like that was both voices was her or her. You know. Yeah, um, and for those who don't know, Rosemary Clooney is indeed related to George Clooney. I believe she is his aunt. Yes. Um, so I don't know how close they were, but they were. But uh, he was. Uh, they are definitely related by blood. Um, and also, there is a, uh, a future uh, Oscar winner in the cast in a very, very small role in the song that you like so much, "Love You Didn't Do Right by Me." One of the uh, background dancers is George uh, Chakrit Chakiris, who yes. uh, wo- who uh, won an Oscar for uh, West Side Story. Yes, that is correct. For playing Our boy um, Bernardo. For, yeah, I was about to say for playing Bernardo. So uh, yeah. he he pops up, and then once you once you see him, you can't unsee him. Because like once once he pops <laughs> up, you're right. like, holy shit, there he is. So and and uh, that was you know so when you go to these TCM big screen classics, you get Ben Mankiewicz kind of pop up at the beginning, at the end, kind of giving you little trivia facts, kind of like we're doing yeah. here. And that was one of the trivia facts that he threw up. And so like whenever once you know that going in, because I all these years I never noticed it, and once you know that going in, you're like, oh my god, he sticks out like a sore thumb. There he is, he's right there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was pretty fun. Um, uh, that's all the kind of kind of trivia and background I have before we get into the movie. Do you have anything additional? Uh, kind of. There is a kind of a funny story. So, did you watch any of the uh, featurettes from the Blu-ray, like the interviews with Rosemary Clooney at all? You know, I didn't this time. No. There's a funny story that she shares there. Um, so, I believe now I could be wrong, but her interview is on the uh, White Christmas Blu-ray. Um. They had just finished rapping on the film, and then I think the studio contacts Curtis and is like, "Listen, I think they said it was like some like like the prince and princess of Greece or somebody wanted were visiting Hollywood, and they wanted to visit the set. Right? They wanted to see a working set. So they had just done that final White Christmas number, like I don't know, like five or ten times at that point." So everyone was shot and Michael Curtiz had already wrapped, but now the studio saying, well, we have like this visiting royalty coming. You need to look like you're shooting something because they want to see a working set. So Curtiz, unfortunately had the uh, honor of telling the cast, Hey, listen, we got to do this again now because you know, there's going to be royalty watching us. And Rosemary remembers that Bing was standing right next to her and he whispers to her, he goes, not me. <laughs> and then she says to him, well, where are you going to go then? Like, I don't know, but I'm not going to be here. And sure enough, when they started, quote unquote, shooting again, Bing Crosby was nowhere to be found. The, the dude had hopped the fence and went golfing. <laughs> yep. So they're watching. So these people are like watching that whole white Christmas number being, quote unquote, filmed. And they're hearing Bing Crosby voice because it's just the recording. But they don't see it anywhere. 
So that was kind of like an awkward moment because Rosemary at that point, she's like, oh, my God, I hope they don't notice that he's not there because you can hear his voice, but you don't see him. So that's kind of a funny little tidbit. From- I do. I do remember that. I do remember that interview. It was pretty good. Yeah, man, our boy Bing Crosby go like, he, like that guy's an alpha, right? They're like, oh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm done. I'm going golfing, bro. You can handle the royalty on your own. <laughs> that guy's awesome. Anyway, but yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and Bing and Bing, uh, obviously legendary actor, but he he, I, I think he was really he's really funny in this movie. Yes, he is. And um, I, I've seen the Family Guy parodies of them, and this, they're pretty spot on based on what, from what I see here, like just the voice and the mannerisms. But like that guy's quite a, the character, but he is really talented, though. He's he was very good here. He was. Uh, all right. So let's let's get into let's get into the movie. Um, so as you said, we we uh, we start off the movie with White Christmas being sung very solemnly by uh, Bing. Uh, it, it, it play he, this movie. He plays uh, Bob Wallace, who is a um, like an entertainer, like a Broadway star, uh, like c- kind of like a basically a Bing Crosby, um, but his name is Bob Wallace, uh, and he's you know he's in the army, he's a, he's over in Europe. They don't really say where during World War II, singing White Christmas for the troops, um, and uh, you know he, he's putting on a show for the troops with along with Danny Kaye, uh, and as it's their last night, not only is it Christmas Eve, but it's the last night that they're going to have their beloved general, General uh, Waverly. Um, who's kind of shifting, like, sh- like what is it? Like, he's kind of moving on, and a, n- a new general is going to kind of take over. Yes, yes. Um, he's, I guess, being relieved of command. Yes, that's, um, so that's now, the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, he's being relieved, so now this other general guy is going to take over for him. But uh, uh, as you can tell, um, troops aren't too happy about that, so they kind of give him a little farewell show. Yeah, they, they they pretty much uh, set up early on that he's a beloved general and the the, the troops love him and uh, uh, and they're gonna you know they really are gonna miss him, so they they put on this show uh, and uh, shortly afterwards they they're kind of bombed in an attack, uh, and during this attack, uh, Bing Crosby, sorry Bob Wallace uh, is is almost <laughs> kind of uh, pinned down by a falling wall of brick that gets bombed out, and then Danny Kaye's character Phil Davis. Pulls him out of the way, but ends up getting hurt himself and getting his arm hurt. Yes. So, um, so our boy uh, Danny Case gets sent. Oh, Phil Davis, let's call him by his character. So Phil Davis, unfortunately, gets sent to the uh, infirmary for the arm. Uh, Bing Crosby, <laughs> Bing Crosby, Bob Wallace goes to visit him, and he's like, you know, thank you for saving my life. You know, like I, anything you need, you know, um. You know, I, you've earned the favor for me. Like, I'll do anything you, you need me to do. So he says, well, you know, I do have one thing. He's like, yeah, sure, let's hear it. Well, I do have this uh, song. It's kind of a duet, you know, and, you know, maybe we could perform it together. He's like, dude, I'm a solo act, you know, where he's like, yeah, I appreciate the gesture, but, dude, I'm a solo act. Um, so he kind of needs a little bit more convincing, but eventually Wallace comes around. And before you know it, you know, fast, fast forward, like, what, five years? They're, like, the biggest hits on Broadway. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he really, he, they really uh, kind of pushed the comedy here with uh, with him kind of always point every time he he wants uh, he wants Bob to do something, he kind of starts pointing to his arm and kind of guilt tripping him into doing yes. something. Uh, so they become, you know, they they through a montage sequence, we 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 learned that uh, it was a good move on Bob's part because they become hugely successful. They become enormous, like uh, a huge, like uh, I don't know what would be an equivalent, like a uh, 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 Dean Martin and uh, uh, 
uh, Jerry Lewis kind of combination. They, maybe. There you go. Uh, yeah. where, where they're just hu- a huge act, you know, and they're, they're, they become producers, they become stars, everything, uh, everything under the sun. And, um, but now, now we flat we get to current you know modern times, uh, and uh, Phil is kind of starting to regret this because he's always around Bob. Bob has now become the workaholic, and he can never get a, get any time to himself. So he's always kind of maneuvering to introduce girls, uh, introduce Bob to to some some kind of floozy girls that never really quite match up, uh, like that one we, we see right away that mutual I'm sure lady. Um, <laughs> And uh, eventually, they you know they get a, a card in the mail from uh, one of their old army buddies saying, "Hey, my my two sisters are in town, and uh, they they would appreciate if you kind of went went to their nightclub and uh, took in their act to give them some tips." Right, right. So right before that, though, right before the, I think it was um, it was Phil that reveals the letter. Um, they have a nice little back and forth dressing room. I want you to get. I want to find your girl. I want you to get married. I want you to have nine children, so I can at least have forty-five minutes out to myself. If you spend five minutes with each kid, that's forty-five minutes that I get to myself. That's a great. That's a great line right there. Yeah. And the way Danny K delivered it was was so great. Um. So, like you said, Wallace has become the workaholic. You know, Phil's trying to kind of get him. He's trying to get him to ease ease up a little bit uh, on the reins, but um, but then he says, well, you know, we did get this letter. From uh, Freckle Face Haynes, I believe was his name. <laughs> and um, he's like, yeah, like you said, my sisters are in town. Um, we, I'd love for you to check out, you know, their act. So as a favor to an old army buddy, God, I mean, Wallace already has plans to go to New York to do whatever, work out some deal with somebody. I can't rem- quite remember what it is. But, you know, Phil kind of has to nudge him in the right direction by pointing to his arm, <laughs> throwing that in his face again. So I guess they're going to check out these sisters. Yeah, so they get to the nightclub, uh, and then we kind of go backstage to where to Betty and Judy Haynes, the Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and Vera Ellen's tiny tiny waist, um, yes. and <laughs> and the back, they're backstage kind of discussing like because uh, someone comes in and tells them, hey uh, Wallace and Davis are here to see you, and Rosemary Clooney Betty is like why are they here, and Judy uh, uh, who is Vera Ellen says oh didn't I tell you um our brother what's who who's freckle face hate what's what's his actual name um uh hold on I, uh, I have it here I have it here somewhere hold on uh oh man I had it wait wait it's oh, oh I forgot his first name right, but I matter. don't know but but it doesn't really matter but but just a quick little bit of trivia remember in the nightclub I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but in the nightclub where they show a picture of the, the brother yes um that's actually alfalfa. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I did. I did see some of that when I was doing my research. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, they call him ugly. I mean, he's not that ugly. I mean, no, he's, no. he's a normal looking dude. The, the dog faced boy, bro. That. Was, <laughs> um. So. So anyway, you find out that uh, Judy basically uh, faked a letter from from her brother to to get uh, Wallace and Davis to come and get catch their act. So uh, she's she's kind of. Um, so she she she's kind of has like a little angle to try to get to get you know to kind of advance her career, and that's kind of one of the things that Bob is kind of against meeting all these girls in show business. He always thinks these girls have an angle. So um, 
So that kind of comes into play a little later. So then we get our kind of a, the next big number in the series is the sisters scene uh, with uh, Vera, Ellen, and uh, Rosemary. Sorry, Judy and Betty doing the sisters routine in their like blue dresses and the kind of choreographed routine. It's a, it's a really cool. Uh, it's a very memorable number. Yes, probably one of the more memorable numbers of the film until we get that same number again, but with uh, Kay and, and uh, Crosby. But we'll get to that a little bit. <laughs> oh, man, that had me dying at that part. But again, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's get to that point first. So let's see. <laughs> right. Yeah. So after they sing their song, they kind of sit down at the table. And, you know, obviously Wallace and Davis are kind of smitten with their Wallace is smitten with uh, Rosemary Clooney's Betty Haynes, and Davis is kind of uh, fallen for Judy. So they, uh, so, so he kind of, so Phil kind of maneuvers it. So each uh, each person's kind of next to their their chosen, you know, girl, right? Uh, and then as uh, as they're kind of getting to know each other, uh, you know, uh, Judy and Judy and Phil go off dancing, and then as yeah. Bob and Bob and uh, Betty are kind of sitting down, she kind of admits, "Hey, my sister actually sent that letter. She's not really, you know, it, w- w- I just wanted to apologize for that." And he's like, "So then Bob kind of goes, oh, so she's got an angle too. I see how it is.' So then they kind of start fighting, uh, and then she, you know, it kind of sets up a little bit of a tempestuous relationship yeah. between the two. Uh, but during that, we also get a really fantastic dance number uh, set to uh, The Best Things Happen While You're Dancing uh, with uh, Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen. Yeah, I'm I'm watching that sequence, and all I'm saying to myself is, dude, what happened to this business? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, don't it, see, you don't see stuff like this anymore. <laughs> it is sad. And, and you know, it, it brings up a point that I always make with modern musicals. And, you know, sometimes people say, like, you know, whenever I don't like a like a modern day musical or I, or I don't have like a strong opinion about it, people just think, oh, you still don't like musicals, and that's not true. I like musicals. I love musicals. I love this one, for example. But the the difference is is that I don't like the way modern musicals are are edited. Um, and for example, if you watch the uh, the the best things happen while you're dancing number, you they have very limited amount of cuts. So you're watching them, you're watching Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen do this magnificent dance number, and they really only cut when they have to. They, If they're going to cut to like a long shot or a medium shot, uh, that's when they cut. But for the most part, they keep it more or less wide so that you can see what they're doing. And that you can, and it's, you know, I'm sure it wasn't all in one take, but they're by keeping the camera still and really only using minimal movements and not cutting you can see how be- how beautifully trained these people are but like when you watch something like the greatest showman right uh and i'm not picking on that movie i'm just saying like and you watch the musical numbers there's so many cuts it looks like and so you can't really tell if the dance routines are as impressive as they should be you know and that's right. kind of what i have a problem with with the way modern musicals are 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 edited together yeah, but like watching this for the first time, I was just kind of blown away. Like this, this sequence by itself, like ranks up there with some of the best ones, like from an American in Paris, um, and just some of the more like more memorable ones. But like even like West Side Story, like I love all those dance numbers as well. Here, you know, it, it really brought back like memories of like, okay, this is this is the Hollywood that I love. This is the old school, like fifties, you know, forties Hollywood that, you know, to me gave a damn still in a way, you know, um, so that's like, I, like I just said, I'm just sitting there, like just 
amazed by what I'm watching, and I'm just saying to myself, what happened to this business? Like this will never, they'll never get to that point again. I don't think with the way just things are. Um, but it's nice to you know have memories like with White Christmas, like with with American in Paris, like with South Pacific, that you know they just gave you these incredible dance numbers, you know, just to live on as a legacy. You know, just amazing. Yeah, and, and not just not just that, like you know, whatever happened to this business, not just with the filmmaking, but also with the stars. I mean, look at you have Danny Kay, who can act, who can sing, and who can dance. You have Rosemary Clooney, who can sing and who can act. You have Bang, who can sing and who can act. You have Vera Ellen, who can dance and who can act. Like no, like who other than Hugh Jackman and Neil Patrick Harris, who who does who who in the business currently can do all these things. Well, I do want to nominate Lin Manuel Miranda because he's getting up there with like that triple threat of talent. I guess As that's you will true. See, when you see Mary Mary Poppins, you'll, like you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna try and see it this the, this holiday weekend with my daughter. Um, but first, we're gonna go to see Spider Man. But oh hell yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I mean Lin Manuel, I didn't think of because he started in Broadway, so that's a yeah. little different. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, he definitely counts. But he start. I feel like it's cheating because he started in Broadway. You know. Yeah. Um, whereas. I guess I guess Hugh Jackman started on stage too, though, so maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we don't have that anymore. We don't have stars that are like triple threats or at least double threats. Yeah, know, everyone is just like, you know, I I, I I kind of miss the the old days of even though I wasn't alive for them, the old days of people having multiple talents that you could you know display on screen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> A bygone era, it seems. Um, so afterwards, um, the girls uh, get in a little bit of trouble with their landlord and they have to skip town. Uh, so Wallace and Davis kind of help them out and they stall the, the cops uh, by going out and performing the routine sisters again <laughs> uh, in drag and kind of in drag, not in full drag, but like a little bit uh, and uh, in a really, really funny sequence. So either I'm telling you, so either Bing Crosby is the greatest actor that ever lived or that guy was having the time of his freaking life doing that bro, with the big smile on his face throughout the whole thing. Like I was watching Bing and that goofy smiley how while he's doing the numbers and it's like I'm just dying. dude. That was, that's amazing. No, I, I guarantee like that that was sh- like his smile was genuine like there there was no cuz i mean they're being so goofy and the way and i think it's because Danny Cake he's like smacking him with the with the feathers yeah. and every time he smacks <laughs> him with the feathers he he busts out laughing uh i i think that has to be a genuine reaction like there i i have no proof uh, otherwise but it just seems like it is yeah um so after their uh after their number there's a there's a great line where uh they they run off stage and uh, and Danny Kaye's like, hey, we're a sensation. Let's take a bow. <laughs> and he's like, no, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they uh, oh, but the other thing that uh, we forgot we neglected to mention was uh, in his uh, in uh, Phil's attempt to kind of uh, match make, he uh, gave the girls their tickets to New York, uh, and then so that whenever they finally get out of there, they get onto the train to New York, they have no tickets and they have to buy. Uh, they have to buy uh, the what is it the the dining car the dining car, car. the yeah. dining car yes. and stay up all night in that car yeah and uh, uh, I like how he's like I know you just wouldn't after dressing me up like a dame and making me <laughs> run and catch a train I know you wouldn't give away my tickets in a nice cozy bed yeah I know you wouldn't do that to your old pal sorry to break it to you pal <laughs> um. 
so they all meet up again in the dining car. The the two sisters are are very um, thankful for for uh, for what they've done for them, and uh, they this is where we get the song "Snow." After they kind of reveal that they're going to go up to uh, to Connecticut, is it Connecticut or Vermont? Connecticut, Vermont, Vermont. Uh, yes. I was like, I thought Connecticut because I was thinking of Christmas in Connecticut, the uh, uh, the Barbara Stanwyck movie, but it's okay, it's Vermont. Uh, so they go up to Vermont to because they're gonna do a a, a show for a kind of like an inn, uh, and uh, Danny Kay kind of uh, pushes Wallace into 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 joining them uh, into joining them for the for the show. So they're all gonna go together uh, for the, and that's where they get the song Snow. Yes. Now I don't have. All of the details in front of me, and my memory's a little bit foggy. But this came up, I think, during the uh, the little featurette with Rosemary Clooney, where apparently um, the actual like melody and like the song itself for Snow was actually meant for another movie that never materialized. I think there was some other. I think it was a movie with. Uh, I think it was a movie with Bing, or maybe one with Fred Astaire that never happened. Um, not this one, but there was another one that, um, like the. The song was written, like the melody, melody and all that was kind of composed for that film, and they even started writing some lyrics for it. Never happened. That project kind of went kapush. So they kind of took that song, kind of changed the words around, and it turned into the song Snow. Now, I wish I had more specifics on like what movie and what actor was supposed to be in that project that ultimately didn't happen, but that's essentially the story of that song. It was supposed to be for another film. Um, they kind of had that song lying around for a while. It wasn't being used, so they kind of changed, tweaked some things, added some wintry lyrics, and you have snow. So there you go. So apparently, so I looked it up, and it's, it's it was for a musical called "Call Me Madam," and it was called "Free." Uh, yes, that's it. That's it. And then You're they right. and they kept the melody and some of the words, but like you said, they basically uh, they changed they changed everything else to snow. Yeah. Um, so, which is, you know, uh, another kind of this, uh, you know, White Christmas and Snow, um, two kind of iconic songs. I remember hearing the song Snow before I ever saw this movie. So whenever they started singing, I was like, oh, I know this song. <laughs> yeah, it this was is actually the first Christmas. time I was hearing that, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I heard it before, like, on, on Christmas stations and things like that. So I never knew, what, like, where it would come from. And then uh, I finally, I finally saw the source in this movie. Well, unfortunately for our protagonists, when they get to Vermont, there is no snow. Even though they sang all about, they sang about it all in the dining car. There is unfortunately no snow in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, they get there. It uh, they find out that it's basically been in the '60s. There's nothing. There's no snow at all. They, they and, and, and no, but what I, what makes that whole scene, dude, is the fact that when they get out of the of the train. They're all bundled up, like ready for snow, like every, and everything. And then they come out, and the dude, like the I guess the the train employee guy who's outside, is like, "Where's all the snow, dude? We've been having six degree weather for like a month now." <laughs> and then like Danny Kay's all bundled up and everything. <laughs> That's I I got a kick out of that. That was just funny. That was like great, like little character character tweak there, you know. Um, so they get they get to uh they're in Pine Tree, Vermont, and they get to the Columbia Inn. Um, where they uh, they go in to, to to sign up to sign to register, uh, and then the girls. This is where the girls find out that uh, because there's been no snow, uh, there has been no uh, basically no customers because it's a, basically a ski lodge. I don't know if it's a ski lodge, but it's certainly like 
something it's a snow retreat so people go up there right. whenever it's snowing I th- you get the impression that it's a ski lodge of some sort and uh we have to also kind of uh give a shout out to the receptionist uh her name is uh Wicks. Mary Wicks, my Mary Wicks. friend, uh, yes. who, who is really funny in this kind of uh, kind of smaller role. Uh, she she's uh, there's some, she's got some good lines later, but anyway, she she tells them that basically they want to that they're going to have to cancel the, the the floor act that the sisters are there for, and then just when they're about to leave, they run into uh, General Raverly, who comes back, uh, and we find out that he is the owner of the inn. Yes, that's a nice little. Uh... A little twist there. You know, they come in, they stand at attention, and Danny Kaye just drops all the bags. That was a, that, that was a nice little uh, little twist there. Uh, I like the General Raverly, a janitor. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line read. Uh, he's like, oh, you didn't think I'd make it. <laughs> uh, so we find out that he is the owner of the inn itself. And uh, he, very, very proud man. He won't... Uh, he won't kind of admit defeat, and even though there's no customers, he still wants to keep the sisters on as an act for the and pay them their full salary and have them do their show, even if there's nobody there, um, because he he will he again will not admit defeat. Yeah, he's a man of his word. You know, he booked them, and he's going to get the show that he asked for. You know, and that's when you find out from uh, from Mary Wicks that um, he poured pretty much all of his life savings, his pension into this lodge um and it's pretty much in danger of going belly up unless they get some business soon so you know uh wallace and davis they start feeling bad for their you know former general um so they decide to bring their what is it? i guess it's their broadway show it's their broadway show yeah they bring their broadway show to the lodge to attract some customers for them so that was you know very selfless gesture you know everybody I, I, from what i understand like all of the uh employees for the show are getting like paid like bonuses to cut to do the show at the lodge so you know just showing you know the heart of gold that wallace and davis have <laughs> of course you gotta you gotta show them how good they how good they look right yeah. uh but but they they do say it's for uh it, it, but they tell the generals for a different reason they tell the general it's for uh rehearsals and practices and things right. like that but but yeah you're right it is to get more people to come out um, and it is uh, at least another funny exchange with uh, Mary Wicks, where uh, where she's listening in on the uh, on the phone call, and she goes into and she kisses uh, she kisses Danny Kay. It's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. She kisses him straight on the lips. He goes, "It's his idea." And he, she points to Bing, and uh, he kisses Bing, and he's like, "Wow!" <laughs> he goes in for another kiss. <laughs> It's a, it's a good comedic moment. A, uh, Bing's really funny in this one. I like how they planted that seed already of her listening in on the calls because that's going to come back later. Right. So, so um, then we then this is kind of where the the movie kind of starts to kick into like its second act, and we um, you know we start to get they start to bring in more uh, more of their kind of uh, what are they called their their performers and their crew people. Uh, and then we start, and then kind of the rest of the movie is kind of just when you see the musical numbers are kind of just excuses to like, so like they're they're rehearsals, but basically they're just the audience getting to see a musical number, right? Right. So the next one I think is it um, is it the minstrel number and Mandy? Is it the one? Is it the one that yes. you, that you really like? That's uh, it, it, it's the minstrel number. I believe was the the first one that they show. You know, after they get to the lodge, right? Uh, and then so they have the. They had the minstrel number where the it's just the three of them. This first is just Wallace and Davis and and uh, Betty, and they kind of do a little comedy act, do a little singing and dancing. But then Vera Ellen comes down and does the yes. Mandy portion, which yes. is like an insane dance routine. 
Yes. Um, just, I, I mean, obviously, I hadn't, I didn't really know who Vera Ellen was <laughs> watching this, but just I was mighty impressed with everything that she's a crazy dancer. <laughs> she's like a crazy good dancer. Um, and this is one of those sequences where she's really able to just kind of let go and just show what she's got, and it's it's really it's really great to watch. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's basically they they. The the whole the movie like these sequences are basically just there to like uh, uh, showcase uh, showcase the different performances the different performers like natural abilities and then this one is definitely there just like look how good she can dance yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, she, yeah she does this ridiculous routine at the at the end of this and it's so funny because when I watched this in the theater at the TCM screening uh, like afterwards people actually started applauding in the theater. That's <laughs> how good it is. It's a That's really a good, good crowd. Sequence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get we get a bunch of uh, every time you see one of those, it's, it's basically set up as a rehearsal. Um, and uh, this is kind of where we start to kind of start the love story with with uh, Betty and um, Betty and uh, I keep wanting to call him Bing Crosby, but Betty and, <laughs> and Bob. Um, uh, and it's late at night. Uh, Betty can't sleep. Uh, so kind of uh, Vera Ellen Judy keeps kind of she's also trying to get uh, Betty match make match made with with Bob as well. So she kind of pushes her out to to go uh, to go get some a late night snack, which she knows that Bob is there as well because her and Vera Ellen and, and Danny Kay are kind of conspiring to get these two together. Right. So they, they end up they're kind of having a late night snack, and uh, this is where the other big song, "Count Your Blessings" instead of "Sheet," comes in. Yes, it's a uh, it's a great song, great little duet that they have. Um, they sing the hell out of it too, and you could tell like just that song, like they show just the chemistry that they both have together. Um, really great stuff on screen. You know, it's a nice little song. Um, a great little number too. Like, and that's after that point in the story, like they quote unquote get together, but. You know, shenanigans ensue after that. But I mean, the song itself is 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 really good, and you know, they they both perform the hell out of it. It was really really great to watch. Of course, the general kind of kind of uh, plays a uh, does a family show, but he c blocks uh, <laughs> Bob there as they're giving. He's like, "Oh, don't mind me." It's like, dude, why don't you just walk away for a little bit? Let them. <laughs> <laughs> so so he basically he's John Cena in blockers. That's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, hey man, you just saw him in Bumblebee. You said that movie was good. It, it was, <laughs> and I'm not the only one. I that know. Says that, so. Rotten Tomatoes is like at 94 now. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, dude, you were shocked. I was amazed. I couldn't. Even, I couldn't even. I was almost about to like retire from this whole critic thing. But when I saw that. 90% of people agreed with me. I'm like, you know what? Maybe my my view wasn't so off after all. So, <laughs> um, All right, go. So back to White Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we get to the next day. We get, uh, uh, you know, Bob and the general are kind of having a little talk. And uh, the the general gets a letter. Uh, basically, he's he's kind of trying to get find a way out of uh, out of out of oh, out of the inn. Kind of respectfully and in 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 a way that kind of won't hurt his pride. And he apparently he had written to to the army to say, "Hey, I, I want to go back as a as a as a trainer. Or what, what do you call that? Like a, a like a I guess a trainer, like a mili- like military an instructor, an instructor, a drill instructor, yeah. drill yeah, drill sergeant or whatever." Yeah. And uh, when he gets the letter back, he basically uh, finds out that the the person he wrote to thought it was a joke, and and uh, now he's now he really realizes, yeah, I'm an old man, and I guess I can't do this anymore. So. Uh, this kind of prompts uh, Bob 
to kind of call uh, his buddy. I think his name is Ed Harrison. Who was, I think it's supposed yes. to be like a like, like an Ed Sullivan. Type Ed Sullivan. Thank you. I think he was yeah. supposed to be like an Ed Sullivan type. Uh, who, who coincidentally enough was also an army buddy, um, uh, to kind of uh, to ask a favor to get him on the show so that he can call out to all the all his old army pals to to come out to the inn so that they can have a surprise for the general. Now, of course, uh, Mary Wicks, Emma is her name. Uh, she was listening in on the on the line. She only really heard the part where she's you know where he's going to be on television, and she thinks that that what he's trying to what he's planning on is to put. Uh, this whole this whole performance on television, so that and she thinks that that would be really kind of disrespectful to the general. So she kind of blabs this to uh, to Betty, who obviously gets the wrong idea, and then uh, yeah, it creates a whole mess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the real nail in the coffin for that was when uh, Harrison starts telling uh, Wallace that you know. We can put the whole show on TV. You know, it's re-advertising for you and, and and Davis and your brand. You know, but of course, Wallace, the unselfish man, is like, you know, it's, it can't be about me. I don't want it to be about me. It has to. Well, this is for the general. You know, but of course, she doesn't. She didn't hear that part. Oh, <laughs> uh, and of course, shenanigans ensue because as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh god, she's probably gonna go tell Betty, and then they're gonna break up. <laughs> Just typical, right? Um, so that's exactly what happens. Like Betty finds out from from um, Emma that you know, oh, they're gonna do the show. You know, they're gonna broadcast it on TV. They're gonna put the general front and center, looking so pathetic. I, I forgot how she worded it, but it was essentially like you know, he's gonna look so pathetic up there, and it's very disrespectful. Um, and then Betty kind of just turns cold shoulder on um, on Wallace, uh, which eventually leads to like they have a disagreement. Like they're supposed to rehearse a song, and they have a big fight on stage. She doesn't want to do the song anymore. She doesn't want to do the show anymore because she's disgusted with what Wallace, what she thinks Wallace is up to. Um, and then she just she leaves. But well, actually, no, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's actually something that happens before that, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Well, we also get that uh, that choreography number, which is such a weird kind of <laughs> such a weird number in the middle of everything. No, I was gonna say I think that's the that's the sequence that I was telling you about from before, right? Where like it's her and that John guy, Brasia, I think that you said was his name was. Where they just are doing that that whole like wacky dance together, like that's probably my favorite Vera Ellen dance from the whole movie because she just she like I, and you thought she went wild in the Mandy sequence, like here she just like does like these arm twists and she's like spinning and the and and the the John guy is like right with her in sync and it just looks look like so like crisp and perfect, you know. Yeah, it starts out. I mean, it starts out weird with like this whole thing with uh with Danny Kay like in like this black outfit and stuff, and then it transitions into the into that sequence with with Vera Ellen, and it's really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really fun. Scene. But the song itself is kind of weird, you know. Yeah. Um. So then we get um. But yeah, and then you get we get to that kind of blow up that you were talking about with them uh, uh, where she kind of misunderstands the whole situation and decides that she. You know, doesn't really want to be around Bob, and she's kind of, she's kind of like, you know, kind of disgusted with the whole situation. Thinks he's, thinks he's got an angle to just sell his show, and uh, yeah. of course, like with any um, romantic comedy, which this would count, right? Uh, the entire you know dilemma could be solved if they had just one conversation, five minute conversation. They would get everything sorted out, but of course, they don't. That that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. <laughs> So, uh, so Phil and uh, and Judy think that uh, 
that the reason they're being so cold to each other is because Betty doesn't want to get involved unless Judy is taken care of because she thinks that uh, Betty's kind of her mother hen. So Judy right. and Phil kind of come up with this uh, this whole scheme to pretend that they get engaged so that frees up Betty to go ahead and and uh, follow her heart, which is kind of which is kind of hilarious because Danny Kay is like acting so scared yes. of Vera Ellen <laughs> as if like she was a hideous troll or something, and it's like. What are you talking? Why is Come this on, a bad bro. thing, dude? She's yes. she's gorgeous. I know, yeah. The, just the, the like the physical comedy there that you know him just being like all squeamish around her and just kind of being very timid. Like you know, I I I don't think this is just a good idea, you know, and just stuff like that. It's just so funny coming at Danny Cake and then just looking at Vera Ellen just makes the whole situation even funnier because it's like how can you like be like that around someone like that? It's just it doesn't make any sense. But that's that's where the comedy lies. <laughs> exactly. So, so they um they uh they do a whole um engagement. Well, they have a party like right before Christmas. Uh, they have like a like a and they announce their engagement at this party, which surprises both Bob and and Betty. Um, and then uh, Phil's like, "Hey, jump in. The water's fine." So he's like, "All right." So he goes to try to like make amends with with Betty again, and again she gives him the cold shoulder because she still thinks he's being an asshole when really she's just not understanding anything that's going on. Exactly. And like you said, all it takes is just a conversation between them and this whole problem is solved. But we got to milk this for all it's worth. So and the thing um, is, it's like she he in that moment, whenever he's kind of like toasting her and he's like saying he's kind of like, hey, I don't know what happened. And maybe we can get back to things the way things were yesterday or whatever. Like that's a perfectly that's a great opportunity for her to just go, look. Here's what here's what's happening. This is why I'm mad. But of course she doesn't. <laughs> and it's and, she, and instead her idea is like I'm just gonna leave and take a uh, take a new job in New York, which is very convenient that she had a job already lined up. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know whatever. Um, she does see him at the at the train station because he happens to be at the train station, kind of figuring out some logistics and stuff. But um, he, but she sees him at the train station and she she still doesn't say anything to him. Uh, and then she just kind of takes off. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think he has to go to New York anyway to uh, for the Ed Harrison show. So while in New York, he um, he stops by the club or restaurant, or whatever that she's working in now. And that's when you get the uh, love you didn't do right by me sequence, which I absolutely love. This is my favorite sequence in the entire movie. Just of how, like I said before, just how great um, her Rosemary Clooney's performance is, just how great her body language, her mannerisms are, the whole choreographed sequence. Just, just you can feel the emotion, the heartbreak in her voice when she sings, and it's just, it's just so moving, and it's just so great, you know. And obviously, like without a question, this was, this is my favorite, my probably my favorite song and favorite sequence of, of the entire film. White Christmas is right up there, obviously because it's the namesake, but like this, just from the sheer talent that's oozing out of it and the sheer screen presence and charm, it's like top, top for me, absolutely. So before before we get to that though, th- we do find out that Wallace finds out what exactly what uh, what uh, Judy and uh, Phil had done. Their scheme, their, yeah. He finds out their scheme. <laughs> he does something. He says something. I don't know why, because it's it's not really that funny of a line. But every time I hear it, it cracks me up. He's like, "You're lucky you didn't get stuck with this Weirdsmobile for life." Like Weirdsmobile. I don't know why I lose it at Weirdsmobile. It's such a dumb word, but I just I lost it at that. Um, 
so yeah, he, he, like you said, he goes to New York. He sees the the act that "Love You Didn't Write by Me," where we see George Shakiris dancing around. But yeah, it's a great number. Um, I mean, not only is it well, it's really well choreographed. You can like Rosemary's Clooney's voice is ridiculous, uh, and the dress she's in. She yeah, that dress. I'm about to say that dress yeah. is beautiful. Uh, especially contrasted with that pink background, beautiful cinematography, beautiful set design, beautiful costuming. You know, that scene is perfect. That's a beautifully, like, crafted scene. Right. Um, and then afterwards, she, you know, they she does sit down. Again, another opportunity where they can have a conversation. And again, they don't have the conversation. <laughs> I guess uh, I I don't know who it is, but somebody you know comes to get Wallace. Hey, you know Harrison. Harrison's looking for you. Oh, it's it is Harrison. Okay, so Harrison comes to get you know a Wallace so they can do the little thing for the show. Um, so you know he wants to stay and talk to Betty. She's like, no, you go with Harrison. You know I have to go anyway. You know goodbye, Bob, and that's it. You know no conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, um, so while uh, Bob goes off to do the show. Uh, he he had he had told uh, Phil to you know get the general away from the TV because he didn't want the general seeing it. Uh, so he fakes a, like a leg injury and is like the most exaggerated like limping you've ever seen in your life <laughs> uh, to get the general to like not sit in front of the TV. Uh, so Phil or Bob is uh, basically sings a little song and then he um, uh, he. He kind of tells all the troops, hey, if you were back in the, I forget what division it was, like the fighting hundred and whatever, uh, you got to come out to Pine Tree, Vermont. We're, oh, 151st Division. There we go. Uh, come out to Pine Tree, Vermont, and uh, we can, you know, celebrate the general. And even if you, I know it's hard because it's Christmas Eve, but just make it happen. Well, anybody who can come can come. Uh, so, which, you know, leads us to our kind of big finale. Oh, but of course... This this is when Betty actually sees what's happening. She actually watches the show, and now she understands everything that's been happening because they they, they throw in and remember nobody is making a dime off of this. <laughs> yep. So when she hears that, like a big smile comes across her face, and before you know it, she's back on the train <laughs> to uh, to Vermont. Uh. So that yeah. So then you know we 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 see kind of all these people kind of coming, which is funny because the one thing that's like you have to wonder is like how. The general's there. He's at the inn, right? How does he not notice that it's being flooded by a bunch of army dudes all of a sudden? I know, right? Like, how does he not notice this? Uh, but anyway, a bunch of the, the all the army guys come in. You know, they get into their uh, their outfits. Um, they strategically hide uh, the general's tuxedo, so all he has to wear is his old general uniform, uh, and uh, he has to come down to it to to like see the big show. And then he comes in, and it's in a very like. Like, you know, it's getting dusty in the theater kind of moment. Uh, <laughs> he walks in and everyone goes, attention! And then everyone stands up and claps for him. I was like, that's a little bit of an emotional moment. Yes, it is. Uh, and just to see uh, see the general's face there, just to realize when he realizes what's going on, once he sees all of his old troops, you know, he kind of gets into that general mode um, and starts, like, barking orders at everybody, you know, stand up straight, you know, and do all that stuff. Um, but then, like, afterwards, he's like, you know, he just says, I think he just says, like, thank you, to, you know, for being here. And then, like, they all clap for him. And, you know, he's getting all teary-eyed. I'm getting teary-eyed. You're getting teary-eyed. It's just it's just a great moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, of course, they go right into their performance. And we see, uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Um, what can you do for a general? What was the old man? 
Oh, gee, I was wish I was back in the army. That's the song. Yes, uh, and that's whenever Betty surprises uh, Bob by coming back out and performing the song with them. Which I wonder what was their plan when she wasn't going to come out? Like, like yeah, they never really mentioned true. that. I thought about that too. Because <laughs> like it's it, the choreography is set up for four people. Like, what were they going to do without her? Like, I'm say they had somebody practice in her place and was going to perform guess. in her place, and then they had to tell her last minute, "Oh, sorry, Betty's back." I know, I know. You don't really need to see that scene where, where they, but it's still kind of funny. When or you they think fire about somebody. It. Yeah, it's like by the way, you don't get to do this anymore. <laughs> um, you know, so we have a big, uh, you know, big production, and we we kind of check outside and we see that it's actually started to snow. Of course, it started to snow on Christmas Eve, um, and uh, right before the big production number. Um, uh, you know, they kind of open up the. It's like in a barn or something, so they open up like the, yeah. these back barn doors and uh, they start performing "White Christmas" uh, as the big f- kind of finale. Uh, and then they kind of, as they kind of get to the climax of the song, they like lift up the backdrop of the stage, and you can see the real snow coming down. Real for in the movie universe, obviously, <laughs> you can still tell it's fake for us. Uh, yeah. But you can see this real snow coming down for like the big kind of climax finish. Yeah, and it's just that they do, obviously, White Christmas is their closing number. Um, great. Everybody hooks up with each other at the end. You know, Bob and Betty get together. Uh, they Danny all just start Mary making Ellen up behind together, the tree. Pretty much. Um, and then, you know, they, they all sing White Christmas in this big, beautiful set, big, great, extravagant, you know, musical number. And uh, and that's White Christmas. Yeah. That's and it. then, uh, so, yeah, you get the big, big holiday special at the end and. Yeah, big, you know, and that, that's the movie. And, that, and yeah, it's a fun movie. It's not, um, it's not going to change your life. It's not particularly very deep, but uh, like, it, it, it's a fun musical. It's got really great dance sequences. It's got really good, memorable songs. Um, really funny moments. I think that uh, uh, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay have really good comedic chemistry together. Um, and it's it's beautiful to look at. Like I said, especially in that last sequence with everyone's wearing red. Um, and yes. like these kind of Santa Claus kind of suits, uh, it's just gorgeous to look at. Um, so yeah, I I pretty much uh, I'm in the bag for White Christmas, and I watch it every single year. Well, like I already said, I'm gonna definitely include that in my rotation from henceforth because I mean I didn't I didn't realize what I was missing with this, but this is like it's a fun little movie, uh, great musical numbers, great acting, great just awesome dance numbers, and you know what have I been missing? You know, I'm I'm very happy to add this now to my uh, to my collection. So we're going to get into a little bit of, of its kind of long lasting legacy. Um, the film was a huge hit. Uh, it was enormously popular and it made uh, 30 million dollars at the box office in 1954 money. Uh, that's the equivalent of 282 million uh, in 2018 dollars. So very, very big hit. Um, it was the number one film of that year. Uh, it, it did inspire a 2004 um, stage adaptation, which every now and then will will kind of get uh, kind of get revived. I, I saw, I know there was one in Chicago, I think last year or two years ago, something like that. So uh, it, it, every now and then, you know, some some theater somewhere is playing it. Um, it was nominated for best music for original song at the Oscars uh, for the for Count Your Blessings Instead of Sheep. Uh, however, it did not win. Um, it's pretty much available in every uh, you know digital store that you can think of. Uh, however, I would recommend the uh, 50th anniversary Blu-ray, which I think is what you have. Uh, yes, what, that's, that's correct. That's also what I have. Uh, on a nice TV, this Blu-ray looks absolutely gorgeous, uh, and it is 
no, I'm always a champion for physical media. So the 50th anniversary Blu-ray is really good, and it had, like you said, it has a bunch of cool special features on it too. So um, yeah, I would I would recommend the I recommend the White Christmas on Blu-ray. Definitely. So uh, any uh, any other thoughts on White Christmas before we uh, pull out the, our random movie generator? Um, no, I think we pretty much said everything about this movie. Like I said, this was a new experience for me. I had my first time watching it. Um, had a great time. Um, and, uh, I'll, I look forward to watching it more in future Christmas. I might even watch it again before uh, the 25th. Like I might just pop it in because this weekend I'm just going to go on a Christmas movie binge. Now that I'm done with work for the rest of the year, I'm just going to have like a nice little Christmas movie marathon for myself this weekend. So that'll probably pop that back in again. Sounds good. It's definitely a good movie to watch with a fam. It's like definitely a family movie. Like it's a good watch it with your family kind of movie. Yeah. All right. So now that we're done with the with the, our holiday movies, let's look at what our next movie will be. And we're going to pull out the random movie generator, which we haven't used in a little bit, um, and see what we got. All right. Let's go. Okay, and our random movie generator has picked <laughs> pretty much the opposite of this movie, the opposite of a feel-good family movie. Yes, um, this, I'm already loving it. <laughs> and this is going to be, if I am not mistaken, let me just double do a double check here and run through things. I think this is going to be our most recent film, as in like the most contemporary film we've ever done, and it is The Silence of the Lambs. Yes, all right. I just, I'm sure you have as well. I just picked up the beautiful Criterion Blu-ray from a few months ago. Um, and I look forward to be able to just sink into that now and watch all those special features, all the commentaries, and just bask in the greatness that is Dr. Hannibal Lecter. So this is going to be awesome. Yeah. So pretty much the uh, counter, counter-programming to White Christmas. The sound yes. Like so that'll be our next film. Um, so before we go, let's do some plugs here. Essentialfilmspodcast.com is the website. Please email us at essentialfilmspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or uh, thoughts, or whatever you want us to talk to us about. Um, please like us on uh, on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash theessentialfilms. Uh, follow us at essentialfilms on Twitter. And please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And we've also got another show, Forced Perspective, uh, which Mark can tell you about right now. Yes, so um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at SportsGuy515. You can follow Force Perspective on Twitter at FP Movie Podcast. Um, our most recent Force Perspective, we tackled uh, Venom and one other movie. I can't remember what it is Halloween. at this point. Halloween, yes. So it, it is a little bit up there in age right now. But uh, we are going to get back on our seats for another Force Perspective. We do have a lot to catch up on. I yeah, mean, we've, just... we've been kind of loading up our movie belt <laughs> recently. Yeah, so so we, mean, we've got I... a lot to unload. I've got a. Uh, I got Bohemian under my belt. I've got so do I. Um, Mary Poppins, uh, Aquaman, Bumblebee. You know, a, a lot to a lot to kind of sort through with just those four movies alone. So, um, very excited to get back to that. I'm very excited to see hopefully see Spider Man this weekend as well. So, um, we'll be coming back with a bang with our next four perspective. Probably, you know, right before the new year, we'll, maybe we'll sit down. We'll we'll get that one ironed out. So yeah, we'll we'll have some. Time. I'll definitely have some some free time. So we'll, we can definitely get some get some movies watched. Um, yeah, so that'll be uh, our, our next show, Science of the Lands. Our next Force Perspective is coming soon. So uh, that'll do it for us. Um, so everybody, have, hope we have a Merry Christmas. Hope you had a Happy Hanukkah. 
Hope you had a uh, uh, joyous Kwanzaa. I think that's what you say, joyous Kwanzaa. Um, happy Festivus, happy holidays, and everything in between. Uh, and may all your Christmases be white. Just like the ones I used to know.